this is uh this is a story right here oh is this episode number 420 should we have should like we have that dr dank should we have been drinking the dr oh, shit. Dank that would have been good beer for 420 or 420 well, we do have cbd we could take that i do yeah i definitely would want to take some of that all right here you go yeah, that Dr. Dank would have been sick. I mean, I can go get them. Well, I'm already... Are, oh, are you only drinking one beer? Balls deep. This episode is sponsored by Jupiter CBD. Use code LAMA10 for 10% off. And we're still doing the thing, right? Mm. Sending them a bottle? I think we got to come up with a new promotion. But anyone that has already joined and, you know, did the um, however month, the year, like, don't worry. Like, we'll still get that. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But I think we kind of overshot it because now I think we're going to be losing money if we keep doing it or something like that. I mean, we're uh, the hope was that people would really like the CBD, which it is amazing. Um, It's like a little, it's minty. It's, and it's so pretty. Certified organic, USDA. All right, well, this is a, this is going to be a crazy episode. We're about to go to, go to Google Earth. We just, um, we're waiting on everyone to kind of get on here but now we're ready and we're ready to rock so every tuesday at six o'clock p.m eastern standard time for the supremos i will do a live stream episode fully researched brought to you by me 420 so have you ever been high you've never been high no i will tell you i've i've been high quite a bit starting in high school (laughs) carrying over till to my the time in war (laughs) when we were living in a pot field that, I mean, like, I cannot, you know, were I'm you a, high while you were like I'm a really in combat? Good, yeah, I got great stories about that. I consider never myself this with me before. I consider myself a pretty good shot. Yeah, you know, they call you the sniper, but I can't shoot worth shit when I'm stoned. I mean, I would imagine so. You know, like you know, uh, like plus, that like, doesn't surprise me. Plus, I'm like giving away my position because I'm all giggly and shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like. <laughs> He's shooting at me. <laughs> no, no, we were we were high quite a bit uh, yeah. in these firefights. And then, I don't know. I mean, the, the, we, we would fight these guys for 15 hours a day, just back and forth. So eventually it's not, you just, it's like whatever, bullets coming in. Just kind of like whatever, man, you know? That is a crazy thing to be desensitized to. Yeah, I guess. But every day for about six months. Until uh, the winter, because in the winter they all go back uh, back home. It's too cold. <laughs> it's fighting right. season. But yeah, that's what they call it, fighting season. Wow, that's pretty fucking crazy. So yeah, I miss it. Um, no, no, I do miss it. All right, tonight we are going to. Oh, kind of crazy. Now that you mention it, it's four twenty. This is episode four twenty. What do you think about that? I think I think I want to try the Dr. Dank, even though I'm not done with my other beer yet. Yeah, try it. I'm pulling up Google Earth right now. <laughs> Dr. Dank's delectable botanicals are in the dankest of flavors that expand the mind, body, and palate. This hybrid strain of delightful dankness delivers an elevated experience. Whoever wrote that's really good at their job. All right. It's, just kind, of, it's kind of fitting that we're going. Uh... This one's the Dr. Dank daily haze dr dank dr dank daily haze we're actually going to denver colorado oh okay that makes sense it's crazy that makes sense why you picked this area no you think that i did this on purpose you're the one that just told me it was 420 how do you know it's 420 because you posted true crime sode number 420 oh i did i mean are we gonna do another episode on 420 that's wait what date does 420 actually hitler's birthday no is that really Hitler's birthday? I'll put all these photos on talkmurder.com and you guys can see all the photos. And, oh, the house is torn down. Look at that shit. 
Well, well, that's something. Makes sense. Yeah, I guess, I guess so. I don't even know the story yet, and I'm just gonna say, makes sense. Damn. I mean, when in doubt, tear the house down. <laughs> I know, man, but. Do you think they give it a different number too? Like when they build, so now it's an empty lot, they're going to rebuild a house in the same location. Give it a different number? I would guess. I don't see why they tore it down though. I mean. Was a a murder there? If you answer yes, the answer is tear it the fuck down. Yeah, but all right. So if you're the buyer, I think it's your decision whether to tear it down or not. Because people die in homes all the time. You don't tear them down. But I mean, unless there's like bodies under the crawl space, then you tear it down. Yeah. Like that's just de- common decency. But if like one person dies in a house, like I don't think the government's coming in and being like, okay, we got to tear us down. I think it's the buyer who's like, I don't want any ghosts or I don't want any bad juju. Mm. Why else would they tear it down? I don't know. Well, you tell me later if they should tell it down. Okay. So tear it down. We are at 212 South St. Paul Street, Denver, Denver, Colorado. Martin says he's high right now. No. Oh. <laughs> Six years ago. Nice. We can't hit it because we're in South Carolina, mm-hmm. and uh, if you smoke weed here, you'll you'll just go to hell. <laughs> you bypass jail and go directly to to jail. In the Bible Belt, you don't go to jail; you go to hell. <laughs> and we don't call it weed here; we call it uh, dope, <laughs> or the parents call it dope. <laughs> Satan's herbs. <laughs> Are just drugs. Oh, is he on drugs? Uh, you mean, does he smoke a little weed? Yeah. Dope, man. That's <laughs> growing up in the Bible Belt, dude. Literally. Yeah, it's been, I don't know how freaking long since I smoked. I don't know, maybe like 10 minutes. <laughs> just kidding. I, I think it's been since you've met me, at least. No, I was smoking when I met you. Yeah, just before I was living here. Getting high. Which was also like very quickly. So <laughs> All right, we let's... knew each other for like four months before we moved in. All right, let's do this, man. Our woman. Tonight we're going to April 14th, 2014. It is a Monday, and we're in Denver, Colorado. And it is episode 420. Is that a coincidence? A quinky dink? I don't know. April 14th, 2014, Monday evening, 9:32 p.m. 2112 South Street, Paul. Street police respond to that house location that is now torn down. A 911 call comes in and there's a woman. She's frantic. Honestly, whenever you say frantic woman 911 call, I think of the chimp episode and that 911. Jesus Christ. She kill him. Just (laughs) kill him. Kill him. Just kill him. He's ripping her face off. Yeah, that's the line. He's eating it. I was like, good lord. Just describe everything like it's a fucking horror movie. He's eating her face off. Oh my god. Uh, Oh, yeah. So that's what I think of when you say forensic woman 911 call. Police respond to the scene. 911 call. Now, this call lasts 13 minutes and the dispatcher actually gets fired for letting this call last so long because 13 minutes before police arrive is is as you'll see horrible but she didn't understand the severity of the situation at the time mm. she thought that it was maybe just a domestic issue going on interesting so that means the police didn't didn't, didn't go into the situation knowing what they were walking into exactly okay or, that's a problem or like be- prioritize this over exactly. something else that was on the docket or whatever. Exactly. Okay. The 911 call comes in. It's a woman. She's frantic. She's yelling on the phone. She says her husband's acting 
something really strange. It's really weird, strange, scaring their kids. So you have a husband and wife who live here and you have three small kids all under the age of 13. The wife is saying that her husband's acting really strange and that, quote, he's talking about the end of the world and he had asked her to shoot him, to kill him. He wanted her to kill him. And he's screaming and yelling and he's just scaring the kids. Remember, they got these small kids and they're kind of cowering. And mommy, what's going on with daddy? It's very frantic. Daddy's acting strange. The female caller says that the husband is hallucinating and scaring their three small children. Now, police arrive at the scene just two minutes too late. Like I said, this was a 13 minute phone call. And in the call, she is frantically screaming and it doesn't start out like that it only ramps up when the husband goes to the gun safe that's when it starts ramping up and that's when the dispatcher starts getting frantic too and trying to get the cops there quick but unfortunately they were they were not able to get there on time so if they had just pulled in two minutes earlier like 120 seconds earlier this this situation would have never been heard of but as the officers get closer, the dispatcher is communicating with them and saying that this man has a gun. This husband, this father of three, has already been to the gun safe where the family keeps their nine millimeter. And that is for family protection. It's in the gun safe in case of a break in or whatever, which is a terrible place to keep a firearm. If you're trying to protect your family, you don't want to be fumbling around with a combination. If someone breaks in, the wife begins yelling into the receiver. The kids are confused. Daddy, what's wrong with daddy? Mommy, daddy, what's going on? Daddy, quote, begins to scream as he's fumbling for this safe combination. He's trying to get his gun out. Now he's hallucinating. Now the cops are hearing this, that this man's got a gun. They're almost there, but they ramp it up. They try to get there as quick as possible. This guy is trying to get this gun. So this is from the 911 call. This is what the woman says. He's taking the gun out, sir. Christine, 44, told the Denver 911 dispatcher, I don't know where to go. Richard, please stop. Please stop. Please stop. And finally, it did stop. It was quiet and calm, eerily quiet. That's the, the calm after the storm. That was caused by the blast of that nine millimeter bullet that twisted right through her forehead. The forehead of 44-year-old Christine Kirk, the mother of three. This is her right here. Don't describe her. Um, so she, you said she was in her forties. Um, short blonde hair. Um, I mean, she's smiling in this photo, so kind of makes you feel even worse about the situation. So that woman shot right in the forehead in front of her three kids. Once that bang goes off, it just total silence. That round comes out and it ends everything. She next related that he had the gun and she did not know where to go, the warrants say. A few seconds later, Mrs. Kirk could be heard screaming. There was a single gunshot and the line went quiet. Wow! Single gunshot. This mother, who will no longer, with the help of her three boys, be hanging out that Michigan flag on game days. Those three boys who will wake up and will never smell their mom making those, quote, rock star pancakes in the morning. All of that is gone. They won't spend Saturday mornings jumping on the family trampoline. Her best friend, Erica, who will no longer gossip eating at Chipotle and drinking Diet Coke. That was her favorite thing to do with her best friend of 24 years. Christine, which everyone calls her Chris, one shot through the forehead and she's dead instantly. And that was on the 911 call. And Jesus. then it was the frantic, the screaming, the kids, mommy, what's daddy 
Let's go, what's wrong with daddy? What? They're cowering behind the couch. It's getting to a crescendo of craziness. And then all of a sudden, pow, that one round, that one piece of metal exits that chamber and spirals right through her forehead. That single bullet weighing seven grams, which is slightly above a, a U.S. quarter, not only ripped through her forehead, but ripped away, ripped her away from her three children and ripped those children away from their father forever. The husband and wife were still at the scene when the police got there. The wife was on the floor, gunshot to the head, pronounced dead at 9.58 p.m. The husband's claim, quote, I didn't know it was my wife, end quote. This is what Christine's sister said. Tammy Heyman, the sister, said, Chris was an anchor in our family. She was a key person in each of our lives. We could always count on her regardless of what else she had going on. So it is impossible to imagine life without her. For the boys, the loss is immeasurable. They were extremely close to their mom. She was supportive, protective, and actively involved in every aspect of their lives. She was the biggest fan, whether at school, home, or on the sports field. She was their go-to person for everything. God, this is terrible. Yes, yeah, pretty bad. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> and good. I'm on to my second beer. Thank you. I didn't know it was my wife. Who did he think it was? I mean, what's it matter? I mean, let's just believe him. Mm, I'm going to say no. No, let's dig a little bit deeper into that one. Here's the mother and the three kids. This was weeks before right here. So, I mean, look, I mean, you got three kids right there. And as we'll talk about this one right here, the seven-year-old, I believe, he was the only one that actually saw the mother get killed besides the father. The other two, I mean, the other two were... We're trying to get out of the house. Eventually, they did get out of the side window of the house. I mean, the hardest, like, when you think about when it's all said and done, these kids are now left with no parents, I'm assuming, right? Mom Mom is dead and dad is away for life maybe um at the very least they have to live with the fact that their father killed their mother oh this is the father what do you think um it's an interesting choice of photo this was his facebook uh photo he looks like he's uh having a great time in this photo partying maybe you know he's got like sequin glasses it looks like he may have like his wife's readers on or something you know yeah, I think those are readers. Yeah, but they look—they're like you know, it looks like they got some jewels on it. They look like they're—he uh, uh, took them from someone, and it looks like he's having a blast in that photo. So let me let me go back. Okay. Now one call comes in. It's not that serious. That's why it lasted. But 13, apparently it was. That's why it lasted thirteen minutes, and it it ramps up when the husband goes for the gun that's in another room. He fumbles trying to remember the combination, and when he gets the nine millimeter out, the nine millimeter handgun out now the wife and the kids they could have bolted out the door all right you remember that like when the husband is trying to but would they have thought though that he was going to really use it against them you know there you go i don't know you tell me all right why don't we why don't we see what he says like why don't we kind of i am curious see how his day went because this was the evening this monday this evening so let's let's see what happened According to him. Yeah, I'm curious, like, is this normal for him to be hallucinating or what have you? Or is there a mental illness? Or are you tying this into the fact that this is 420 and there is our 420th episode and you're going to go another route with this? Wait, 420 is like weed. You're saying that he smoked weed and he was hallucinating? I don't know. That's a stretch. Is it? 
Richard had back problems. Now, Richard's the husband, and he had back problems. And ever right. since ever since that accident a year prior, he's been taking Vicodin. And like a lot of people... That's addictive as shit. He won't say that he's addicted, but he's still taking it and so messed up, man. Remember that show House? That's what he was addicted to. Yeah. Yeah, but he was like really smart. He was still an addict, but I, yes. I never even seen it. By really? Now. It I mean, was I've, a good show. I've seen like clips of it. It was a good one. Richard... Ever since that accident, he has been having back problems. And this this is like the literal hundred million other people in America. Doctor gives him a little white pill. I think it's white. I don't know. The doctor gives him a little pill that says Vicodin on the bottle and they become addicted. However, this day he ran out of the medicine he needed and he's got back problems, like bad back problems. And he's been taking it for how long did you say? Over a year. Okay. So if he doesn't have it, he's going to go through withdrawals. Uh, I mean... Yeah, but it's not like heroin. I mean, I don't, I've never been addicted to it. You still can, yeah, you can be going withdrawals without taking your pain medication. Yeah, maybe. Because you become addicted to it. I don't know. I I don't know. That was in house many times. He was, he went through withdrawal. That show is, that's just a (gasps) fictional show. Medically accurate, though. You gotta be effing kidding me, yo. No. It's always some strange thing. It's all, it's like some strange bacteria. No, but he was addicted to Vicodin. The doctor was addicted to Vicodin. The doctor, doctor house. house. I know. Yeah. I, I know. And he went through withdrawals. I mean, I think he was doing so more than one a day. So you're basing that off of, of a TV show. But it's factual. Like, that is factual. You Addiction to Vicodin. Fact. Like, that is something that happens. Addicted to cigarettes. Fact. Do you yes. Go, addicted, but do you go through, like, with withdrawals? Yes, but... Yeah. It ain't like like you have to take methadone. It or depends something. on how much the quantity. Yeah, it does. It is not the same, dude. It depends on the quantity that oh they're God. addicted to. But yes, yeah, you do. You Can don't. Someone go through, please help me here. You don't go through withdrawals like they're taking meth or heroin. Yes, there's no way it's the same. No effing way. You're dude. gonna go s- sweat and throw up and that all that stuff. It depends on the uh, quantity. But yes, you know what the most addictive drug in the world is. What? Sugar. You remember that study? They they gave rats. This is true. You can look this up. They gave these lab rats both sugar and cocaine. They found that the lab rats would be clawing for the sugar over the cocaine. They would kill each other for the goddamn sugar. Alex Murdoch. What is that? <laughs> you can. He was a, a vitamin addict. Oh, there no. you go. <laughs> I thought he was on meth. Didn't he have a meth? No, dealer? he was. A, he was addicted to pills, man. Oh, and uh, it is true. Thank you. Maybe you you're right, man. Maybe you're right. Sorry. All right, back to the story. So he's been dealing with these back problems, and on this day, he is out of meds completely. He is out. He took too many last month, and now he is suffering. Because he's addicted. He is suffering. So on the way back home, he's worked all day. He is just fidgeting in his car driving. He's like, God, ah, God, it hurts. And I don't have anything. He's trying to look at his phone and see maybe anyone I can contact to just get, you know, that hit. Bike it in for the day, and he is in Denver. All of a sudden, he passes a a what? A weed sign? A dispensary. Now, this wreck. A weed sign. That yes. sounded so <laughs> Weed. <laughs> can you imagine? A, can you imagine a story that says we sell weed? <laughs> we sell weed. <laughs> And you, ha- oh my god, you freaking hate the way weeds. She's always I like, I don't like it, and uh, it smells like skunk. And I'm like, that's that's what people I like, like, man. I don't, no, I don't like that. But all right, P- 
people who never drink coffee will drink coffee for the first time and hate it. Yeah, but, Shram was saying how much she hated the taste of coffee uh, a couple weeks ago. But you love it now because you drink it all the time. So if you smoke all the time, like no one who smokes weed hates the smell of it. I can promise you that. You know I, what I'm saying? Oh, I'm not discounting that part of it. For you guys that are listening, man, throw your uh, stories and see. Natasha uh, said she was, uh, she knew someone who would take up to 50 painkillers a day. 50. God, dog. <laughs> All right, so on live chat, guys, if you're listening to this and you're not driving or anything, tell us about any experiences you have. Maybe with taking edibles, because that's what this guy's going to do. So he passes a dispensary, and you know he he turns around, he turns his car around, and he's just like, all right, you know, maybe this will help. He spends over an hour in the dispensary, and the CCTV video that shows him browsing in the store. So he, he's trying to find something that will suit his needs, yes, specifically, and which he, is a good thing. And he's asking a lot of questions. You know, what what is THC? How does this affect me? Is this like painkillers? He spends an hour in there and he's just asking question after question after question. It is it's a customer that that would really be annoying because he only buys one thing, you know. After all the time he spent there. Yeah. But at least he was being thorough with making sure like it was going to tried to attempt to solve the gap he had with his painkillers. So he settles on the Karma Candy. Candy is with a K. Looks delicious. Karma Candy Orange Ginger looks delicious. It does. I mean, it's meant to look like candy and be like candy. This is from Gaia's Garden. 101 milligrams. So this tastes like a orange ginger snap. I mean, it's actually pretty good. I had one earlier, so I'm just kind of waiting for it to I mean, in. like I said, it sounds great. Yeah. Anyway, this is what he takes. This is the only thing he buys. I don't know how much this will be. I have no idea. So if you if you don't know, this is episode 420. So is Shram on here? We're actually doing this because Shram. No, Shram's not here. She said, hey, y'all should do a 420 episode. Because I had another episode planned that I was supposed to do today. But I was like, fuck, I don't want to miss 420. Like, I can't. Even though it's not 420, it's April 4th. However, this is yeah. our 420th episode. 420 episode. He ran out of Vicodin that day. He sees the dispensary and he stops. And this was when 2014 recreational marijuana had just become legal in Colorado. So this is a new industry here. Mm-hmm. And he buys this 100 milligrams orange ginger gummy, quote, conveniently sized and incredibly delicious, end quote. <laughs> <laughs> that is the perfect voice for what I pictured there. Also on the website, which no one fucking reads or goes to, quote, a single bite is enough, even for those with, oh. <laughs> with intense medicinal needs. Oh, boy. So, so he took the whole thing. Yeah, he? he ate it. Ace, well, I mean, it's bite sized. All right. All right so hold I can on, understand how that could be confusing. Yeah, but all right. All right. You're, you're like, telling what's a me bite? a nibble. You're telling me a this, dime size, like pea size. Like they need to be specific on their on their portions. You're telling me that this man kills his wife in front of his three children because, because he ate a freaking candy ginger snap. Dude, okay. that is so bullshit. So I will say, like, uh, I forget what, you know, there was a documentary I was watching at some point or whatever about, like, I'm not actually, I, I haven't had drugs, like, it's not legal here in South Carolina, but I am a proponent of, like, having things be legal. The fact that you called it drugs. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, whatever. I don't care. No, it's just like that's the southern thing, you know, like pot, oh, smoking pot. I, I mean, I didn't do that when I was a kid either, even in a rebellious phase. Like when I lived in Europe, 
when I went to Amsterdam didn't do anything. Like it just wasn't, I don't know, maybe that was dumb of me to not take advantage of the situations. But anyway, um, now I forgot my train of thought because you interrupted me. I guess we got to move on. All right. <laughs> because you're smoking too much. All right, here we go. So if you've had a, a psychotic uh, experience with uh, edibles, let me know in the chat and we'll read it out. So he takes this this edible to kind of... I really to, have no idea what I was going to say. You got to get out the weed, dude. <laughs> Freaking short-term memory is killing you. So he waits for more than an hour for this thing to come in, for, for this medicine to kick in. He actually only takes half of it at first, and he's waiting, and he's, his back is still killing him, and you know he's at home, and he's like, what the fuck? Nothing this is not working. So he, he, he goes ahead, and he <laughs> eats the other half. Now, edibles are different. So I actually it takes a while because you got to digest it, right? Yeah, it's got to go through your uh, your uh, gastrointestinal whatever tract. Anyway, so edibles are different. You don't know how much you're supposed to take, even though it says it on the thing. An inexperienced user of THC is not going to know to only take a certain amount. They're not going to know that it's not work, that it is working. It just takes a long time because it's got to digest, you know. But I will tell you, edibles. From studies, more 911 calls come in and more hospital visits, and this is skewed to the max, from edibles rather than smoking. Like, edibles always put people in the hospital emergency room. The 911 calls are always for edibles. Hmm. It's, it's just, it's not even a comparison to just smoking it, right? Interesting. So, anyway... So he's home. He's not feeling it. He only took half of it. He takes the other half. And then, only then, he notices it. Yeah. And that's when it hits him. Comes in like a, a wrecking ball. Like, uh, what's his name? What's her name? Miley Cyrus. A- Miley Cyrus. <laughs> Who is, uh, like, that is, we've determined that's Luna's theme song. I'm more of a Billy Ray fan, but the high comes in like a wrecking ball and destroys this guy, literally, from, what, from his story. I and mean, we don't know that, you know, he didn't just cook this whole thing up, right? He says that he started losing it, losing his mind. He jumped out of the window at one point. If you see a police photo of him, he's got scratches all over his shins. He jumped out of his house window. He's outside freaking out. His sons come out there to the front door and they're they're asking him, Daddy, what's wrong? Daddy, what's wrong? And he is just high out of his mind. And he says that... He looks at his house numbers, 2112, and he starts pressuring his children to to tell him the house numbers. Like, what is it? 2112. I mean, if you look at this picture right here, it's the, his house placard, 2112. If you're really high, this could be kind of freaky, right? I mean, 2112, it's like back they and look forth. Like swans. The twos look oh, like swans. Shit, they do. Yeah. I yeah, didn't I notice that. There, there's, some, there's some crazy shit happening in that. That beer is getting to you, man. That the hunter tank. I didn't notice the swans, but I was thinking like two one and one two is just too much, man. Like, oh fuck, ah, what's going on, man? You know? Yeah. What do you think? Him fixating on his house numbers. Now this is what he claims. He says that he's outside. He just jumped out the window. He's looking at his house numbers. He's telling his kids, "What are the numbers? What are the numbers? What are the numbers?" He's going nuts, and the sons start reciting the numbers, and that's when he just loses it. In a Rocky Mountain PBS interview with Richard Kirk, he said. Dad, it's two one one two two one one two, and something like when he said that number, something in me just I just lost myself. I didn't know where I was. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know what the threat was. I didn't know if I was the threat. I didn't know. He sobbed. So he says he just quote lost myself 
He went to the safe. He grabbed the gun. In the aforementioned interview, I didn't know it was my wife, he cried. I thought it was somebody else, I guess. That's the only way I could have done it. I never, ever once thought about even hurting my wife or pushing her or anything, let alone taking her life, taking her away from my three boys. From court documents, quote, the youngest son saw his mother being killed. He witnessed his father's delirious, paranoid, psychotic, and highly altered state of mind. His father was overcome with psychosis and in a state of being which his son had never seen before. The father was out of his mind. Richard Kirk, after consuming the edible marijuana at issue and firing the gun into Christine's head, asked his young son to then kill him. After physically hearing their mother's body drop to the ground, the other two boys ran from danger and escaped the house through a side window. Now, so he had asked the son to to kill him. Jesus. He asked his seven-year-old son, the only one that was that actually saw the bullet fly through the mom's head. I mean, talk about trauma for the rest of your life. Mm. The only one that saw that bullet explode from that from that barrel into the mother's head. He then tries to hand that same gun to his seven-year-old son. Shoot me! Shoot me! He's telling his seven-year-old, quote, so dad and mom can be together with God. That's what he tells a seven-year-old. Mm. Fucked up, man. Fucked up shit. So what do you think, man? You think he's uh, you think he's using this as an excuse? I don't know. I mean, the fact that you said earlier that like edibles, like it tends to be put a lot of people in the hospital or like if there's ever anything that goes wrong, it's from edibles. That kind of makes me think maybe it truly is a side effect. Well, there was uh, there was some stuff in the relationship we probably should get through. Okay, yeah, that's relevant. It was uh, it was a rocky relationship, and he even admits that there were some financial difficulties. In fact, his wife's stepfather said, "quote We're not surprised that he shot someone. Oh, it is just that we didn't think it would be a family member." Well, that's not helping him at all. He says that. That stepfather says that Richard was quote on the verge of being out of control. Okay. Every time he saw him. So was that mag was the edible perhaps magnifying his his feelings? He also had road raid issue road road raid. Who doesn't? Who- <laughs> oh yeah, I w- dude, I I will tell you. You have road rage. I do not have fucking road rage. Yes, you do. Dude, if when you're I- in a mood, watch out. I'm fucking toxic, yo. Yeah, I know. Mhm. Anyway, so I guess he has some road rage issues. So I'm guessing the stepfather was in the car with him, saw that firsthand. Even his own sister, Richard's own sister, said that her brother had a, quote, nasty streak. And she was was even threatened by him. She always felt uncomfortable because she didn't know exactly what he was capable of. That's his own sister. All right. Things are now not looking good. Interesting point, Sydney. So they're not surprised that he shot somebody. Why wouldn't they do anything to help ahead of time to avoid it? You know, what? I thought that same fucking thing. Honestly, Hmm. I'm not surprised that he killed someone. Well, then you're a dick, you know, (laughs) what the fuck? I mean, honestly, like shit. Christine's colleague said that the relationship was dull and Christina often talked to her in in private about finally telling her husband that quote she didn't love him anymore now now all right devil's advocate here i'm just going to back up for a second this couple married 20 years this man has back problems addicted to vicodin runs out of vicodin 
He's in Denver, Colorado. 2014, recreational marijuana is now legal. Dispensary. He's in there asking questions. He settles on the, was it Candy Karma? Something like that? Yep. Spelled with a K. Looks delicious. Orange ginger snap. Takes half of it. Doesn't do shit. Takes the next half and then it starts kicking in. Which reminds me a lot of Wolf on Wall Street when they're taking those quaaludes. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, it's not working. Maybe they're just old. (laughs) (laughs) So he takes this and then he just loses it. Jumps out the window. Eventually goes to the gun. Gets the gun. The 911 call says it all. They don't release the 911 call, obviously, because the woman gets shot, goes silent. And the seven-year-old sees it. All this stuff. But now all this news is coming out. The background stuff. Well, yeah, of course. I I thought he was going to kill someone. You know, I could always see that. There's financial troubles. She doesn't really love him anymore. They actually owed $2,500 to the IRS and they had $40,000 in credit card debt. That's something. It's a lot of money. So, so where are you at now? I mean, that, that kind of makes them look pretty bad. It makes it look like... Maybe, maybe the edible and the, and the Vicodin withdrawal, because I think that is also part of it, like magnified his emotions. Let me and, throw, let me get the one other thing on there. Okay. Let me throw one other, one other dagger into him, if you will. Right before the murder or the shooting, right before the shooting, he actually buys munitions for his nine millimeter pistol. That's, <laughs> well, let's just... Talk about That's sh- the nail in his coffin for me. Talk about shitty timing. Or is it not? <laughs> is that not a coincidence? You tell me, man. You tell me. Ew. What do you guys think on there? I so I gave you kind of what it is right now, right? You have you have this turbulent relationship. Wife doesn't love hubby anymore. She's trying to get out of it. Maybe she's telling friends that he has she has anger issues. She doesn't love him. He's got anger issues. The whole family, including his sister, feels threatened by him. And now all of a sudden, they're in this debt. They're in this financial burden, and the recreational marijuana is a thing and this could be this could be an alibi you know yeah it's an it's a way out for sure so what do you guys think on there let me know shrimp's like i don't know this case it's unusual for her there was a case i was gonna do the other day and i started researching it i was like fuck we've done this one (laughs) (laughs) after 420 episodes that's bound to happen yeah (laughs) all right so I throw some daggers at you here. He bought ammo right before the murder. There's, Ugh, that there's, doesn't look good. There's all this financial strain. $40,000 in credit does, card debt. Is there a significant life insurance policy? I mean, there, there was life insurance policy, but it's not like you pulled it out the day before. I mean, that would that would be like obvious, you know. He did move money, I saw, but I, I don't know. It seemed like the papers were trying to stretch it. Like, okay, you know, I mean, whatever. Okay. All right, let, let me take some of those daggers out. Let me take some of those daggers out of Richard. The detective, Troy Biscard, who, if you guys want to watch the interrogation video, it's it's quite fascinating. It's only 20 minutes and he's still high. He's talking about, you know, can he trust the detective? He's getting interviewed with just him. He's like, do you believe in God? I believe in God too. Do you think he's here with us now? It's kind of, you start watching it and you, you're like, well, it's kind of like he's faking it. But then it's like, I don't know, man. Like it's, he's saying some really out there shit 
you know, and the detective notices that too. But here's, I'm going to pull one of the daggers out of Richard for you. So that gun malfunctioned after the first round fired. He was trying to empty that whole clip. It malfunctioned. Why do you think that is? Because he didn't load the magazine right. Because he was too high? I don't know. I mean, he owns his nine mil. You know how to load a magazine, hopefully, if you if you own a nine mil. And and to, to get it jammed up like that, I mean, I, I would guess he would, he hit the magazine in too hard and it, it double loaded or something, but it, the next round jammed up the, uh, the slide. It I don't didn't think shoot. that helps at all. I don't think that helps him. It doesn't. Well, maybe not, but I was but saying. So, because I'm thinking like, okay, well, he's too- he took the edible. We know that, right? Like, yeah. it's not like he was faking that piece of it, I believe. They did find THC in his system. Okay. So, like, we know for a fact he took the edible. He's he's high as a kite. He's well, we also don't know that. Draw from Vicodin. We don't know that. I mean, okay, go ahead. So, but his, his shot. So, you were talking earlier. About how when you were in the military and you were overseas and amidst, you know, marijuana fields while in combat, you were also high as a kite at sometimes and a terrible shot. Yeah, but I normally was, perfect. Yeah, but I was actually shooting people from, you know, 200 yards away, 100 yards away, a little bit more. Right. His is I mean, his was like right there and perfect forehead. Shot. And it was also nighttime when we get high. OK, but still, like, I don't think that that helps his situation at all. The fact that it jammed up if you if there was THC found in his bloodstream and he was he's claiming it, he was, he was hallucinating. He could have. Yeah, he could have jammed it wrong but that doesn't i don't think that changes his case at all okay i'm just throwing that out there in my opinion well let me take let me try to at least take another dagger out of this guy the 911 call it is heard on the 911 call him and this is also verified by cctv in the house begging his wife who is not dead yet but about to be to kill him right is that something i don't know the detective also testified and this is a, a fascinating interrogation video which I don't think the detective should have kept going with it. I think he probably should have gotten in trouble because it's, I don't think he, either he was faking it or he wasn't in his right mind. Either way, I don't think you should be trying to get your, or, you know, the guy to confess something when he's all, all weird, you know. The detective testified that he thought that this man, Richard Kirk, was on drugs. His speech was slurring. He had an inability to focus. He was rambling. He was talking about God. Are you close to God? You know, can, who can you trust? Who can you trust? He's very paranoid. Can I trust you? Can I trust anyone? Where am I? At one point during the the interrogation, he says, I don't know where I'm at. So right there, I was like, well, that interview probably should have stopped there, you know. He was rambling and he was really quickly to confess to killing his wife. Not only that, this is my biggest dagger here to take out of Richard. In my opinion, maybe you guys can, maybe you guys disagree with me. What kind of man or what kind of person would kill their wife in front of their three small children right there in front of them? I mean, if he's hallucinating, he doesn't know what he's doing. Is he the type of, is he the type of person? And I think, I mean, you know, I wonder if the family thinks of this too, like the sister and, and, you know, Christine's family, he's, he's got road rage. He's, you know, he's got these problems. One coworker said that he heard him yelling at her. His wife, you know, through the phone, he's got all these problems. But is he capable of killing a mother in front of her three children? That to me, like brings it to a new level, dude. That, it, I think that's worse than the murder I itself. Think, yeah, it, it's bad. And I think like if someone's truly not in their right mind or hallucinating or 
truly fucking evil. But it could be a cover up. I mean, it, it could be a cover it could, up. It could be an alibi. What do you guys think, man? You guys tell me. I'm kind of, I don't know. I'm like literally on the fence. Yeah, <laughs> I, I am too. I mean, I'm trying to think like uh, there, I, there's, there's a, a balance. One, the family saying, wouldn't surprise me that this guy killed someone. He's yeah. got anger issues. Like clearly there are some issues in the relationship. Yet, and he's on Vicodin and he has a drug addiction. He's he's seeking a different replacement when he's out of that drug and it's interacting with him a different way. I almost am feeling like this is just a magnification of like all of the things. Yeah, you guys tell me. But I will say, you, you guys, if you don't know the story, you are the judge, jury, and executioner. We got to do something with this guy. What do we do? Do we put what him in mean? prison? Do we let him go free? Like, that's what, that's the question here. I mean, whether he was out of his mind or not, you got to decide what, what to do with him. You going to let him go free? If you lock him up, you're taking him yeah, away. That's what I said earlier. Well, yeah. not, you're not taking him away. You're taking his children, who yeah. are all under 13, away from... But both their parents, one of them's dead on the floor. The other one's in prison. You're taking the hands of the other. I know, but still, they would be better off with their their biological father, I would imagine. I don't know. So you got to decide what you want to do with this guy. That's why I'm trying to give you all the, the angles here, you know? All right, so let's talk about the uh, let's talk about let's let's talk about this as drug. It's what we call dope in the South. The devil's herb. D- the devil's grass. The devil's herb. The devil's <laughs> <laughs> my my herbs are doing pretty well out back, but I do not have any weed growing out there. Oh, I got some back there. Oh, good. <laughs> uh, so far, the consensus is mental hospital. So the, de- <laughs> <laughs> the devil's lettuce. <laughs> has, dude, has no one has no one came up with the obvious title to this episode? No, tell it to us. Tell it to us now. Weed killer, right? What the fuck? <laughs> you were gonna go with it because i got high no i am gonna go with an exact quote um it was something like i you know the weed made me do it or something i don't know anyway let's talk about the the company and this little pill this is from colorado versus richard kirk this is the damages complaint this is basically what they have to put out so the stepfather can get kit the custody of the kids stuff like that Upon information and belief, defendant Richard Kirk experienced strong drug effects, including possible psychotic behavior, including ingestion of the marijuana-infused edible candy, which caused him to shoot and kill his wife. I'm not trying to push it one way or the other. And if I am, I'm sorry, but I'm not trying to be biased. I like, I want the conversation. I've personally been like effed out of my mind. I mean... If I was threatened, I would probably do something drastic, maybe. And he said he did feel threatened. But at the the other the other spectrum, you know, maybe he was trying to get out of it. I don't know. You guys tell me. They were trying to blame this on Gaia's garden and not just to put him away or whatever, but it's also to give the kids, you know, some financial relief. Right. And I believe that Gaia's gardens, whatever the fuck it is, it should have worked with the family, which they did not. But they were blamed for, quote, deceptive trade practice. They're basically saying that they didn't offer any instructions on the package, which you saw. There's nothing on there besides like the sweet candy. Yeah, it looked like I said, it looked delicious. They believe that this company was should be accused of failing to warn customers that edibles could lead to paranoia, psychosis and hallucinations. From the Los Angeles Times, the packaging and labeling for the potent candy contained no directions, instructions or recommendations respecting the product's proper 
consumption or use, said the lawsuit filed in May in the Denver District Court. The edible producers negligently, recklessly, and purposefully concealed vital dosage and labeling information from their actual and prospective purchasers, including Kirk, in order to make a profit. Now, I want to say, if you go into your your kitchen where you keep your dog treats and look at the package, guess what? There's uh, all kinds of labels on there that, and that's for a dog. Mm. The nutritional, everything else and directions, all this stuff, it's there, man. I wouldn't know. We make our own dog food. Yeah, but I'm saying, so even the dog maker treats include ingredient lists and recommended amounts and warnings, if any. So I uh, have a a friend who moved out to California to specifically like research and figure out what the dosage is in equivalence of marijuana to alcohol for like drunk driving and stuff like that. Like what's the how do you determine when someone's like too high to drive or how do you figure out what that dosage is? What is it? I don't know. I don't know if they figured it out yet, but it's been a couple of years. (laughs) I would just be like, no, I mean, because I can't, there's no blower or something. So I'd be like, I'm not high. That's part of it is like, how do you, how do you determine a test and what's the level and all that stuff? Yeah, but they can't prove it. I'd be like, I ain't high. That is part. He is a scientist trying to help determine what that regulation should be. Well, he's a dick. He's friends with Will, so you can (laughs) talk with Will about that. All right. So Sam Kamen, who is a professor at University of Denver, who specialized in the marijuana law and and the, the policies, considered the 2014 kind of recreational market a, quote, growing pains. There are so many incidents of people getting drunk and engaging in violent conduct. And we don't have hold the alcohol manufacturers responsible. That's I, fair. That's fair. But personally, I put in my notes, and like I said, I'm not biased either way. I think that statement is kind of bullshit because alcohol has been around for hundreds and hundreds of years. So you don't True. know if that first time someone got drunk and did something fucking stupid, right? So, I mean, you don't know that. So saying we've been living with alcohol for, for our whole lives. Oh, wow. And marijuana has been too, but it's been illegal all this time. So this is brand it's new, new territory. So to, to, to compare it to alcohol, I think is kind of a bullshit statement. Yeah. Uh, Sean McAllister, which is the attorney for Gaia's Garden, likened the case to skiing, getting hurt and then suing the ski industry because the ski run was too hard, which I also think is bullshit because when you go ski, guess what? You sign a fucking waiver, man. Well, it all it says, are you going on a blue circle, a green square, a black diamond, a double black diamond? But you still you know sign what I mean? A, you still sign a waiver. Do you? I don't remember signing a waiver. I mean, I shit. If you don't, then that's, that's... I do not recall signing a waiver when skiing, but I do know that I would never and have never gone down a black diamond or double black diamond mountain. Mm-hmm. Because who wants to strap two pieces of like a fucking, you know, whatever it is to their feet and slide down a mountain? I never understood that. And I'm from fucking New England. <laughs> Sorry, can't do it. That's why I live in South Carolina. So I'm going to kind of derail just for a second, not going in these cases, but this man right here, this is from the Denver Post. Mm -hmm. You want to read that headline? Man who plunged from Denver balcony ate six times the recommended amount of pot cookie. So he jumped off a hotel balcony, killed himself. Because he was too high. Does, like, I know we've talked a little bit about this. Does the thought at this point in your life of having, take consuming weed in whatever form, like, 
worry you of how it will make you feel? What do you mean? Like, do you worry about how if you were to take that now, like you have medications, you know, you have like other kind of mental happenings. Do you worry about how that would make you feel? Like depression, anxiety, borderline personality disorder. Do you worry about how the weed would interact with all those things in your medication? Well, that's why I got married because that's you have to worry about that. Oh, we both have to worry about that. This is another one. Toxicology report released following Keystone marijuana suicide. Luke Goodman looks like a good kid here. Luke Goodman of Tulsa, Oklahoma, died of a self-inflicted gunshot wound on Tuesday, March 24th. Witnesses reported he had consumed large amounts of edible marijuana candies prior to his death. Shot himself right in the head. I'm just playing devil's advocate here. I don't know. Just be careful with these edibles, man. Like, what the fuck? It's definitely not making me encouraged at all to want to try any of this. There was... just one more one more case sideline, then we're getting back to the case. A New York Times colonist, Maureen Dowd, actually ate a pot lace candy, and this was her experience. Uh, New York Times, Maureen Dowd, ate a pot lace candy bar that looked so innocent, like the sky bars that I used to love as a kid. Later that night, she was panting and curled up inside a hotel in Denver, convinced that I had died and no one was telling me. That's nuts, yo. She's fucking high. Yeah, that is nuts. All right, so you tell me right now. Guilty, not guilty. We putting them in prison forever. What are we doing? I I feel like that is a hard place to just call him guilty, given all of the facts. Law is innocent until proven guilty. I do not think there is sufficient evidence to make him responsible for the crime. Now, if they were to say like he was under the influence and like maybe it's more manslaughter or something like that. Um, But I think for like first degree murder, not guilty. So Rocky Mountain PBS, which PBS, you know, viewers like you, right? They did an interview, an exclusive interview with him in 2018, and he is still adamant that he had no intention, had no idea of what he did. And and he says, quote, I know without any doubt that if I did not eat that marijuana, my wife and family would still be together today. I know that with a certainty. And when the reporter asked, why did you kill your wife? He says, quote, because I didn't know it was my wife what he says so can you read that last one there i miss contact i miss the loving contact of my family the embraces of my wife the scent of clean pillows he sobbed explaining that he hadn't had direct contact with his children since the night he was arrested i miss everything about my boys there is no one particular thing i love them with all my heart For the longest time, I've had this picture in my mind of being released and walking out into the grass of a jailhouse and my three boys coming, running towards me, wrapping their arms around me and saying they love me. In 2017, he pleaded guilty. I think he had a really shitty attorney, if you ask me. But in 2017, he did plead guilty to second degree murder. He is now serving a 30 year prison sentence. Quote, I didn't know it was my wife. He sobbed when asked why he pulled the trigger. I thought it was somebody else, I guess. That's the only way I could have done it. I never, ever once thought about even hurting my wife or pushing her or anything, let alone taking her life, taking her away from her three boys. I know that Chris knows that I didn't do this on purpose. I know she knows that. So what do you guys think? Crazy. I don't know. I feel like the the sentence may be a little harsh. Yeah, I do too. So it's I think he will get out in like fifteen years. Um, it is set. 
in my opinion, I think it's really sad that he can't see his children, you know, it's the, you know, the court system or whatever until they're 18. But I will say that the children, and when I say the children, I meant like the caretakers, they're the ones that filed the, uh, the complaints against the company. And, and it honestly seems like they're, they're looking at this more than a tragedy. Looking at the family now, I haven't seen anyone say that, you know, he should be out or whatever. I think they're just still in shock. I, I don't think that they think he did it on purpose. I, I didn't see that. Yeah. So I was really shocked when, when I found out that he is in prison. But yeah. then again, you know, you know, maybe, I mean, we don't know, man. I don't know. I mean, we did the Calgary story where that kid stabbed five of his friends to death, got off scot-free. <laughs> We've shit. seen stranger things happen for sure. Yeah. But what do you, what do you think? That's the weed story. Uh, it's not helped like at all in my desire to try an edible. That's for damn sure. Yeah. I mean, from, from what I've Ugh. seen, man, like most of the, uh, most of the emergencies are coming in from edibles. Like, I'm not really for or against it or whatever, but I know just be careful out there. Flight to Fantasy asks, how do you guys compare this to the cough syrup murder? Oh, um, I can't remember that guy's name. Ooh. I kind of think, I, I, if I remember correctly, he he was found guilty, but I think... He, so so he's talking about this guy that killed his girlfriend or wife. I can't even remember. That was so long ago when we did that story. God, yeah. But um, he was trying to blame this uh, D... Was it DM or something? Like Robert Tussin oh, DM? yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. It's some some uh, weird chemical. Yeah. So if you take it and force yourself to stay awake, it'll make you. Yeah, it'll go, make you all crazy. Yeah, um, that's a really good question. Flights of fantasy. If I remember correctly, it was like obvious that he was trying to to do that. Can't remember that story at this point. I guess, dude, that is. Oh my god, how long ago was that? That was like five years ago. <laughs> um, I don't even remember the game. So I usually remember every killer and victim's name or not all the victims, but, you know, I do remember talking about the um, the DM, though. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's a good question. Dude. I mean, I, I think it's just like you can't you kind of got to be you just got to be careful, you know, and uh, I don't know. Crazy. He took it in a in a desperation, right? In absence of his Vicodin. And so I think your frame of mind and has a lot to do with it. Yeah. Dude, and I've been like that too, like where I was that effed up. Once I'm t- telling you about, but that was more of like, okay, I just got to like block it out. But that one time me and my buddy smoked spice. Oh, man, that was never something. Again. Fuck no, never again. Now I just do bath salts now. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's it for today. I hope you guys like this. Uh, so we're going to do Tuesdays for the Supremos and uh, it'll be a well-researched story like this and hope you guys enjoyed it. Boom, 420, celebrating, going to get stoned. All right, until next time, good night, you lovely, lovely people. <laughs>